it's December 9th, 2022. Time for the Friday edition of the Sports Wagon Podcast. This is episode 193. Hope you're all having a great Friday, no matter what time of the day it is. This is a late record for me. So remember to hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. So let's start with, again, I think the best news of the week. I think we can all agree that this is definitely a win, a dub, if you will. Brittany Griner released from a Russian prison. The report came out early Thursday morning. So this uh, uh, release was in exchange for arms dealer Victor Bout. So uh, Brittany was uh, in prison for approximately 294 days or 10 months. So, uh, I mean, we can kind of talk about the ins and outs of this in just a moment, but I think the most important thing is when the uh, report was released, um, she was on her way home. So she touched down this morning early at Joint Base San Antonio Lackland. Uh, at that point, she'll be re- receiving medical care and all the like. So again, we're, we're so, I'm so happy. I know many are happy, especially in the sports world. There are those who are so happy she's home and, and you know, just an end to this ordeal because, you know, basically bottom line she was used being used as a political pawn so this whole russia ukraine thing and it just it, it it just war is senseless in so many ways but when you bring in just casualties uh not just we're talking direct casualties on the on the field of battle but when you bring in uh other entities that have nothing to do with the war machine or with the actual administration of government that has to either do with either stopping the war or it's promoting the war that's where it becomes a human rights issue it's it's a very serious human rights issue and um again just so happy that she's home so there's been a lot of talk about um uh, as far as releasing so another gentleman who is uh being imprisoned uh in russia paul whalen so i sort of heard a little bit about his story but I didn't re- remember all the different the different particulars of his story. But essentially, he's an ex-Marine. He was jailed in Russia, accused of espionage. He he has vehemently denied that he was a spy, and uh, he has been in Russia for four years. And um, he was not part of the, the the swap, if you will, to for for Brittany Griner's freedom. So. Um, What's been wild over the last uh, few hours, number of hours, it's been about 24 hours since the report um, of Brittany Griner's release came out. But this has been, you know, Paul Whalen's release has been, you know, one of those conservative talking points. So it's kind of wild to me how, um, you know, when Brittany Griner was detained, then it becomes this whole, oh, well, she's anti-American and she shouldn't have been doing all these other things. And in my head, I'm going, okay. And someone tweeted this, how she anti-American. They show two pictures of her wearing the red, white and blue, uh, playing for playing for the uh, the women's basketball team, winning gold medals. So, again, you know, again, these conservative talking points just get real crazy and in the wind when they want to try to, quote, make a make a uh, an argument or whatever you want to call it. But um, so that's been their talking point. So we give them an L for that. But the, the, the reason this gets better is because. Um, their family spokesperson, David, so brother uh, Paul Whalen's brother, David, uh, basically says Griner's release in so many words, quote, is the right decision. And he said uh, it's, it's, it's the best decision rather than, quote, waiting for one that wasn't going to happen. So um, I'm going to continue with his statement. So essentially, he said that um, 
had the statement here. Sorry. Um, but I think my point here is that a lot of the things that he's saying really flies in the face of, um, you know, all the conservative talking points because they just want to make some point against anything, anything Joe Biden does. They want to be anti. Now, I'm not sitting here going to be this cheerleader for Joe Biden. Don't don't get me wrong here. He can do right. He can do wrong. But to kind of sit here and act like he's doing this thing for this. And this is the conservatives talking this black basketball player who she broke the law, but yet they can't help a Marine. Again, it's funny to me how they want to really harp on the military portion when their representatives, their congressmen, their senators constantly vote against veterans bills. They don't want to help veterans. We've got veterans out here in the street and they do very little to help them, but they always want to trump up the veteran thing. I'm sorry. That was that just kind of popped in my head. But you got it if you got it. But nevertheless, um, essentially, um, one statement that uh, Paul Whalen's brother made was he said, quote, it is so important to me that it is clear that we do not begrudge Ms. Griner for freedom. As I have often remarked, Brittany's and Paul's cases were never really intertwined. There's always been a strong possibility that one might be free without the other, close quote. So lots of dubs and nails on this one. Brittany Griner being released is a huge dub. And I'm again, cannot express how happy I am that she she's free. And, you know, again, uh, you know, just to kind of be re reunited with her wife and just to kind of get back to as much as possible in, a, in, in her own time, as much of, of normalcy as possible. But, you know, these conservative talking points are such trash, so they get L's for that. And then, of course, Michael Parsons from the, the Cowboys, he tweeted a bunch of crazy nonsense. And then um, people got in his mentions and said, look, dude. As we always say, and I say this all the time, think before you tweet. If you don't know the man's situation, look, you got people, you have a whole computer in your pocket. Pull it out. Google what you're going to talk about. I do it all the time. I'm about to tweet something. I say, you know what? Let me check my facts here because what's the thing? No one wants to be the main character on Twitter. I really fight to do that, to not do that every day. So Google shit before you tweet. Shut the hell up and Google before you tweet. There, There's a lesson from Micah Parson tweeting out a bunch of stupid nonsense. Um, I get what he was trying to say, but dude, you could have said a little bit better or hear me out. You couldn't not said it at all. Okay. Um, let's go to the world cup quarterfinals. Croatia eliminates Brazil. So the game ended at a one, one tie Croatia wins four, two on penalty kicks. And about eight minutes from now, the Netherlands versus Argentina, that game will kick off 2 PM on Fox Saturday. Morocco versus Portugal, 10 a.m. on Fox. And then the 2 p.m. game, England versus France. The semifinals will be next week, Tuesday and Wednesday. So Croatia will play the winner of Netherlands-Argentina on Tuesday. And then the Saturday games, they will play their semifinals on Wednesday. To the NFL, Thursday night football, the L.A. Rams over the Las Vegas Raiders, 17-16. So Baker Mayfield, who was waived by Carolina, was, was acquired by the Rams. He comes into the game, leads the Rams to two late fourth quarter touchdowns. He threw the he threw the, the last touchdown, 23-yard pass to Van Jefferson with 10 seconds left to seal the game. Mayfield, 22, 22 for 35, 230 yards and a touchdown. The Rams end a six-game losing streak. For the Raiders, Josh Jacob, 27 carries, 99 yards, and a touchdown in the loss. The Raiders, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the Rams rather, are now 4-9. They go to Green Bay for Monday Night Football, 8-15 on the 19th, ESPN. 
The Raiders, they are home for the Patriots Sunday the 18th, 4 p.m., 4.05, more specifically, on Fox. For this weekend, notable games from the weekend. The Jets at the Bills, 1 p.m. on CBS. Eagles at Giants, 1 p.m. on Fox. Bucks at 49ers, 4.25 on Fox. Dolphins at Chargers, 8.20 NBC. Monday Night Football, Patriots go to the desert to take on the Cardinals, 8.15 on ESPN. College basketball, so no Wednesday show, so we try to pick up where we left off. So, of course, we'll go through the AP Top 10 for both the men's and the women's. So this week, South Carolina still number one with 29 first place votes. Number two, Stanford. Ohio State up a spot to number three. Indiana right behind them. There's that There's that Big Ten thing, guys. I told you, Ohio State and Indiana, it, I still haven't looked it up, but it's going to be fun when these two teams get together. I mean, you've got contrasting styles here, two teams that got shooters. I'm, I'm looking forward to this game, so i got to figure out when they play. Anyway, Indiana up one to number four. Notre Dame up two spots to five. UConn down three to six. Virginia Tech up two to seven. This is the program's highest ranking ever. Tied at eighth is UNC and NC State. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, UNC drops two and NC State up four. At number 10 is Iowa State. Your movers this week, Arkansas up five spots to number 21. Iowa down six spots to number 16. Out of the poll this week, Louisville, Texas, and Marquette. From Wednesday night, the Battle of Iowa. Number 16, Iowa over number 10, Iowa State, 70-57. to Caitlin Clark, rather pedestrian game for her, 19 points. Ashley Jones and Emily Ryan had 15 points each for the Cyclones. Thursday night, man, Purdue gave Maryland the business, but Maryland, number 20th ranked, went to West Lafayette and pulled out a three-point win. Diamond Miller, she is really having a fantastic season so far. 18 points for her. Abby Ellis comes off the bench for the Boilermakers to score 18 points. So this game, Purdue had a three-point lead at the half. Maryland in the fourth quarter outscores the Boilers 20-13. to 13. Purdue shot 55% from the field. Maryland, conversely, shoots 40% from three. So again, those factors, I mean, again, you're you know trading threes for twos, but those factors played a role. And then I think if I recall correctly, the turnovers weren't, I think they were kind of even. They weren't too out of balance, but at the same time, too, Maryland had just enough in the tank to pull this one out. Um, also last night, UConn, UConn at home had to fight a Carla Barubi-led team to beat her Princeton Tigers 69-64. If you recall, Barubi is a UConn alum. She was on the 95 National Championship team with Rebecca Lobo, so she brought her team in, and she said it's just as like she never left. Very electric crowd, you know, atmosphere, the whole nine. Aubrey Griffin goes for 29 points and 10 rebounds. She, speaking of Rebecca Lobo, she ties her record. She goes 11 for 11 from the field. Um, so, again, there's some production off the bench there. I, I think she got the start, but Mika, Mika Mule, Nika Mule, rather, she left the game after a collision. I don't know her status, but uh, hopefully she will be okay. Um, for Princeton, Grace Stone had 20 points uh, in the loss for the Tigers. Now, we had a couple upsets last night. Toledo beats number 14, Michigan, 71 to 68. Number 26, Kansas. So when I started watching this game, so on the call with Cindy Brunson on Pac-12 Network, and she said, this is a top 26 matchup. I'm going, what does that mean? Kansas got votes last week. They were the top vote getter in the AP poll last week. And after this 
win. They beat Arizona, number 12 Arizona, at home 77-50. to After this win, I'm pretty sure Kansas will be somewhere in the top 25 next week. But um, essentially, Arizona, they couldn't, they literally couldn't just place the ball in the basket. That's how bad their shooting was. I mean, they were missing short layups. They were missing short putbacks. I mean, even if they shot a long distance shot, I mean, the ball would go in and come. I mean, go in and come out. Arizona shot terribly. I mean, they did everything else well, but once the shooting didn't happen for them, Kansas just found ways to get open. So it's back to the drawing board for the Wildcats again. These are the types of games that I think Adia Barnes wants to see because, again, or most coaches, you don't want to lose, but you kind of want to see what your weaknesses are now because, again, they are amongst the, the ranked teams in the in the Pac-12. And if you want to win a Pac-12 championship, those sorts of things, these types of things like poor shooting, you know, you're missing defensive assignments or you're just getting burned on defense. These are things you can't do, especially amongst the likes of other teams like UCLA and Stanford. And um, even you can throw in a Washington State or Oregon State. These are the things you can't do uh, in, in the impact to impact to a place. So essentially um, bad, bad loss for, for Arizona. But hopefully it won't bite them too much in the butt. But they'll have to watch the film and learn from this one on Sunday for the ladies scheduled. Number six, UConn visits number 20, Maryland, 3 p.m. ABC from College Park. The men's top 10. Uh, number one, again, Houston, 37 first place votes. Number two, Texas with 14 first place votes. Number three, Virginia, three first place votes. And they all held positions. Purdue moves up a spot to number four. They get eight first place votes. UConn moves up three spots to five. Six through ten, Kansas up three to six. Tennessee up six to seven. Alabama up three to eight. Arkansas up two to nine. And Arizona down six to number ten. Your big movers. Maryland, the Maryland men, they move up nine spots to 13. They are very close to the top 10. So this is so again, you know, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on this, but I think this Maryland team is, you know, they're getting to where they got to go. I'm not saying they're going to do all these great things, but they're looking much better. They're looking much more polished. So that's something that I think Maryland fans are very happy about. Down this week, Creighton down 14 spots to number 21 out of the poll. North Carolina and Michigan State. So again, um, it probably hasn't been that long since UNC has been out of the poll. But I think the first time it happened, maybe about a couple seasons ago, this it was maybe two, maybe about three seasons ago. Um, it was a situation where um, it had been years since UNC hadn't been ranked. So now it's kind of okay. It happened once for the first time in thirty years or something crazy like that. Now it's happening. It's only been a couple seasons, but again, UNC, they've got a lot of pieces they've got to figure out and work out. I mean, this is a team that could have won the national title last year. Now they come back and they're reeling. So now they've got a lot of pieces to figure out to try to get back into the the groove of things, if you will. Um, From Tuesday night, number 17, Illinois over number two, Texas, 85-78 in overtime. Matthew Mayer goes for 21 for the Illini. Timmy Allen, 21 for Texas. So this game was kind of off the radar. This is a non-ranked, uh, a ranked versus non-ranked matchup. James Madison visits visits Charlottesville, take on number three UVA. UVA had to grind out a five-point win, fifty-five to fifty. I'm gonna tell you this much: last year when Virginia went to Harrisonburg and lost to Madison, 
it it was it you know it was the big talk. I mean, already at that point, it was looking like the season wasn't going to go very well. Um, this one, Madison, you know, one thing you can say, JMU's definitely got a good basketball team. Those guys gave UVA every piece of what they had in this game, but Virginia pulled it out. So again, one of those things where, you know, this is one of those games I'm sure Tony Bennett is really going to be picking at a lot of the things defensively, tweaking some things offensively. Reese Beekman went out in this game. I don't know his status. Hopefully he'll be back very soon. We'll check on his status and give an update um, as needed. Um, also on Tuesday, number 15, Duke over Iowa, 74-62. So this game and the Illinois game were for the Jimmy V Classic at Madison Square Garden. Jeremy Roach goes for 22 for the Blue Devils. Patrick McCaffrey and DeSanti Boeing, both 12 points for Iowa. On the men's side, so schedule Saturday, number eight, Alabama goes to the Fertitta Center in Houston to take on the number one Cougars, 3 p.m. on ABC. Number 10, Arizona versus number 14, Indiana from the MGM Grand Garden Arena. This is the Las Vegas Clash. That game, 730 on Fox. Sunday, number 13, Maryland visits or goes to play number seven, Tennessee. They'll be at the Barclays Center for the Basketball Hall of Fame Invitational. That game, 430 on Fox Sports 1. Um, Let's see here. Let's talk MLB. Then we'll come back and we'll talk some college football. So from the winter meeting, so a lot of um, transactions. Um, there's, so there's been a lot of, lot of trades, a lot of you know free agent moves, but these are the big ones. So you heard about Aaron Judge. If you haven't, here you go. Aaron Judge signs a nine-year, $360 million deal to stay with the Yankees. Now, I'm going to tell you, I know Yankees fans are cheering at the top of their lungs, that their guy is staying. So now, what happens next? So are the pieces starting to come together to make New York that contender that New York fans want them to be? So we'll see how it goes, but that is a big sigh of relief for so many Yankees fans. Um, Trey Turner, he is going to Philadelphia. He gets a $300 million 11-year deal to go to the Phillies. So Trey Turner wins a World Series ring with uh, with the Nationals. Uh, I think it was in what, L.A. last year. I can't keep Sometimes I can't keep track of some of these guys. But anyway, he's going to Philly. He's getting a lot of money. Now, remember, I haven't heard the status of Bryce Harper. So, again, having another bat like Trey Turner is definitely going to be big. Needs to be teammates. So, you, you know, uh, all that good stuff. Um, Justin Verlander, here we go. Justin Verlander gets a two year, $86 million deal to go to drum roll, please. The New York Mets, Woo, the Mets, man. So Jacob deGrom rolled out. So what do they do? They bring in now some people can argue and debate. Okay. Bringing in an arm like Verlander experience world series title, you know, older guy so he's a veteran he's a veteran in the true sense of the word but of course you got to worry about his the health of his arm so he had that shoulder issue where he had uh, Tommy John surgery so the question is you know how much longer you know we're saying two years so is Verlander going to potentially uh, pitch out those two years and maybe retire who knows but Verlander we know just wanted to Cy Young and I know he's feeling good about things, got the World Series ring, so I know he's ready to rock and roll and do some more pitching and get back to it, considering he missed the year with the Tommy John surgery. 
And as we mentioned, Jacob DeGrom, he gets a five-year, $185 million deal with the Texas Rangers. So they made some really key free agent signings last season. So now they bring in an arm. I think they brought in a couple of other arms as well. So Texas making moves. Remember, Texas, um, they were... Was it when they were in the World Series? It's been several years since they were in the World Series, but uh, they're trying to make their move to kind of make their voice heard in the AL. All right, when we come back, we're going to get into college football. So we got a full slate of things. We'll do some news and notes, talk Heisman Trophy, and whatever else pops up. So stay tuned. Welcome back. So let's talk college football. So let's do news and notes first. So Louisville. So we talked in the last show about Scott Satterfield leaving Louisville to go to Cincinnati. So the prohibitive pick was former quarterback and assistant coach Jeff Brom. So Jeff Brom so uh, took the job. So quick turnaround and search for Louisville. So they hired him. Um, so he gets a six-year contract. So he gets five million per year in the first year plus incentives. So he's sixty-six and forty-four in his coaching career. He went thirty-six and thirty-four at Purdue. He was there for six years, seventeen and nine in the last two seasons. And as we know, they won the Big Big Ten West this season, and where they went to the Big Ten championship game and fell to Michigan. So now the question is, who takes over at Purdue? And I'm trying to remember the list of names that popped up and uh, none of those names tend to have stuck in my head. Unfortunately, I did see an article. Um, but anyway, um, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, wait, one name. OK, anyway, I thought one name was coming back to me. But anyway, um, somebody mentioned Dan Mullen. Um, so he's currently an analyst at ESPN, which, again, interesting choice. 
Um, but there was another candidate who, oh, Jim Leonard, who just uh, was the interim at Wisconsin. So I think after the bowl game, he said he's leaving. So he's going to he's not he wasn't retained or I believe he didn't he didn't stay on to see could he be retained at Wisconsin. So um, so again, um, there's going to be a number of names that come up for Purdue. So we'll see uh, what Purdue does to replace Jeff Brom. Uh, currently Stanford. So as you remember, the Stanford job is open. So currently there are two finalists. One is Sacramento State's head coach, Troy Taylor. So he's a Cal grad. And the other finalist is Jason Garrett. So I'm going, well, Jason Garrett, what? (laughs) So um, makes sense for Garrett because what Garrett went to Princeton, if I recall, was he go to Princeton? Anyway, he went to Princeton. Um, So knows how to, you know, high IQ guy, knows how to play football in a high IQ environment. So essentially, would his um would his uh what am I trying to say would his philosophies translate to a high IQ institution? So again, um we'll see. I mean it's interesting, but currently Sacramento State's head coach, they are currently in FCS championship mode. So Sacramento State is currently in quarterfinal mode. Uh so I think they got North Dakota State, uh I believe, uh or incarnate word. Anyway, they are still playing football, so I'm so I'm thinking Stanford will be making a decision as soon as if he's one of the finalists. I think they want to give him the opportunity to, I guess, present his case. So then the question is, you know, how long, you know, what point will that happen? Will it be at least another couple of weeks if Sacramento State continues to win? They're talking quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. So at least there'll be two more weeks potentially before Stanford could make a decision. Or they go with Jason Garrett. Don't know, but we'll keep our eye on it. Um, so this one tripped me out. So Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator at North Carolina for the last four years, has left to join the staff at Wisconsin under Luke Fickle. So he'll be the offensive coordinator at Wisconsin. I was like, what? Longo. So listen to this. Um, for the past four years, uh, Longo has been in charge. So this season... North Carolina had the 10th best scoring offense in the country, and they and they were fourth in total passing. So you remember, we talked about Drake May's numbers. Drake May's numbers are ridiculously crazy, and he's only a freshman. So he And Drake May made it clear he's not going anywhere. He'll be back in UNC next year. I think UNC has a few guys that are transferring. I think they got one or two guys who are skipping and skipping whatever year they got coming up. They're going to the draft. So... You know, going to be interesting to see how UNC looks next year. Who's going to be the offensive coordinator for the love of anything? Please replace your defensive coordinator because that defense is abysmal. So, hey, Matt Brown, dude, dude. Yeah, that's it. Um, the Broyles Award goes to TCU offensive coordinator Garrett Riley. So that's Lincoln's brother. So he is the uh, college football assistant coach of the year winning the Burroughs award. Okay. So let's look at the Heisman trophy finalists. So we have four. So I think this is the fourth straight year. There'll be four finalists for the Heisman. So they're all either in route or in New York by now, probably in New York by now. So we start with Stetson Bennett, the fourth, their senior from Georgia quarterback. So this season, 269, 395 passing 3,425 yards, 20 touchdowns, and six interceptions. He also rushed for 184 yards and seven touchdowns. In two years as a starter, or a year and a half, because he didn't start. Anyway, in his starting time, he is 28-0. 
Let that rest let that rest for a second. He's 28 now. And of course, they're number one in the CFP again, and they're trying to run it back as defending champs. Um, he also, uh, Bennett, had four 300-yard games. If he were to win, he would be the third Heisman recipient at Georgia. Your second candidate or finalist, Max Duggan from TCU, a senior. So his numbers, 239 of 368, passing for 3,321 yards. That accounted for 30 touchdowns, four interceptions. He also rushed for 404 yards and six touchdowns. He threw for five 300-yard games, and he had two games with at least three or more touchdowns. TCU is the number three team in CFP, and this is their first CFP berth in program history. So the College Football Awards were recently, I want to think, or last night, he won the the O'Brien Award. So actually, it's very uh, fitting that he would could, could potentially be the second Heisman Trophy winner TCU, the first being Davey O'Brien in 1938. So he won the namesake of the award uh, at the College Football Awards. So good sign, good omen, who knows? But that, but usually with the College Football Awards, the O'Brien and the Maxwell Awards usually kind of give you a feel for who might, you know, it's kind of like, a, was it a, the Golden Globes, you tell you who's going to win an Oscar. Well, in this case, the O'Brien and in some cases the Maxwell Award will tell you who's going to win uh, the, uh, the the Heisman. So as we said, Max Duggan won the Davey O'Brien Award. Your third candidate, uh, finalist, candidate, finalist, finalist. Anyway, finalist, C.J. Stroud, Ohio State, redshirt sophomore. This is his second year as a starter. He went 235 or 355 for 3,340 yards passing, 37 touchdowns that ties him for first in the nation and against six interceptions. So because of the shuffling in CFP, Ohio State slides into the number four position. So outside of that, Stroud had five 300-yard games. He had four games where he had five or more touchdowns. And he is the first quarterback in Big Ten history to have back-to-back 30-touchdown seasons. If he were to win the Heisman, he will be the sixth Heisman Trophy winner in Ohio State history. Remember, you can only count Archie Griffin once, although he has two. Shout out to Archie Griffin. You got two Heismans. You, you a bad man. That's all I got to say. Until someone else wins a Heisman, Archie Griffin's a bad man. I think we can all agree on that. Okay, so lastly, Caleb Williams, your fourth finalist, sophomore from USC. Remember, he transferred from Oklahoma. He is a first-year starter. 296 for 448, 4,075 yards as his fourth best in the nation. He also has 37 touchdowns, so he's tied with C.J. Stroud against four interceptions. He also rushed for 372 yards and 10 touchdowns, so per the Heisman uh, foundation's uh, press release that is the best mark in USC in 70 years now I'm now I'm assuming that's the best mark for a quarterback in 70 years because I'm thinking wait a minute if I think I know my football here but USC has had some pretty good running backs call me crazy I mean I don't know I mean might have been something I imagined here but anyway um your Maxwell award winner is Caleb Williams so he is the best player in college football so mm, I don't how this is gonna go so you got Kayla Williams wins the Maxwell Duggan who wins the O'Brien who's gonna win this thing um his 47 total touchdowns so 10 rush 37 pass are the best in the nation again outrageous numbers 
So we continue. He had seven 300-yard games. And he had two games over 400 yards. If he were to win, he will be the sixth winner of the Heisman in USC history. Of course, we have to, and that's counting the fact that, you know, unfortunately, Reggie Bush had to give his back. So that's counting that. So he will be number six, the sixth Trojan to win the Heisman Trophy. So looking at this list, I mean, again, first, all the all four finalists are accomplished in their own right. They've done some great things. I think it's going to be Caleb Williams. Um, and, 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 and what's crazy about it is you watch Stetson Bennett do his thing this year. So that defense led the way. But again, you know, he's throwing the guys like Brock Bowers, who Brock Bowers should at least I'm sure Bowers will probably get some votes. But I mean, that guy, I mean, he was just running over folks. I mean, he was just I mean, a name like Brock Bowers. He sounds like he's made of like stone. That guy, if you, you, you've seen him run, I mean, he can catch, run, block. He is your prototypical tight end that can do it all. But I don't know. Bennett in the spotlight. Great season. Uh, Stroud also great season in the spotlight. Of course, not a great season. They lose to Michigan. But again, great season nonetheless from an individual standpoint. Duggan, I think, was under the radar. But again, as TCU continued on their trek towards the CFP, you know, they lost the, the Big 12 championship. But I mean, this got gritty. I mean, when he ran that one touchdown in uh, and then I think they had the, the two point conversion. I mean, he was I mean, they had to help him to the sideline. I mean, he gave everything. I mean, you talk about leaving it all on the field. Max Duggan did it in that Big 12 championship. So you got to get that young man some props and of course being the best quarterback in the nation with the O'Brien award. I mean, just props to him, but Williams, I mean, I think if anyone was kind of, I feel like if anyone was under the microscope, I feel like it was Kayla Williams, because here we go. He leaves Oklahoma to follow his coach to USC. Um, a lot of folks kind of felt like USC may not have been in the right position. I mean, you, you get a great coach, a great offensive coach, somebody who's coached teams into championship situations and people are thinking, OK, USC's back, but they're not all the way back. Then you get Williams in. They're having a great season and they're back. And I feel like the numbers, I mean, and that's the thing. I don't really want to focus on the numbers because all the numbers are great. I mean, you could make an argument for any one of these quarterbacks based on numbers, but I kind of feel like. Williams, I kind of feel like what he did for USC, although they are not, I think they're going to a New Year's Six. They're not going to the Rose Bowl. No, they're not going to the Rose Bowl. They're going to a New Year's Six, but they're still going to a really good bowl. I don't remember which bowl they're going to. We will do bowl picks next week. But based upon that, I kind of feel like it's probably going to be Caleb Williams here. Now, Stroud, he was a finalist last year. Stroud's going to win one for the things all over. I really feel he is. I mean, now... Well, he's a redshirt sophomore. Mm, I mean, you know, what, what, you know, I wonder what the scuttlebutt is. Is it one of those? Okay, if he goes out next season, has a killer year, is he going to be like, eh, I'm done? You know what I'm saying? So, I think Stroud's going to get one. Whether he, if he leaves early, maybe not. But you know, if he stays, plays out because he, he's a redshirt sophomore, so he's got time. But at the same time, too. I think looking at this, I think it's going to be Williams. I think it's going to be Williams, Stroud, Duggan, Bennett. Williams, Stroud, Bennett, 
no, William, William Stroud, Dougie. Yeah. So I think it's going to be reverse the order I read them. So I think Caleb Williams wins it. Stroud second, Duggan's third, Bennett's fourth. That's just my pick. But uh, I think what last year I got it. The year before, I was off because I'm thinking, oh, wide receiver winning it. <laughs> what are the chances? And of course it happened. But you know, this is just me guessing, trying to use some logical part of my brain to figure this out. But We'll see it all Saturday night, 8 p.m. on ESPN. And, of course, they don't announce the Heisman until about 8.45 or something like that. So they got to do, like, the roll call of Heisman folks and Heisman winners and yada, yada, yada. And then, of course, the speech and then the interview. So we will see it unfold on Saturday night. So a couple couple more things before we go. So Saturday, the only game on Saturday is the 123rd meeting between Navy and Army. So Navy at 4-7. and Army at five and six. Army will be the home team. They will be at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. That game kicks off 3 p.m. on CBS. So it'll be 42 degrees at kickoff. Navy are two and a half point favorites. So with Navy, so usually in this rivalry over the last few years, Navy's been the team that gets a lot of the shine because, again, with Navy, uh, they usually play, uh, I guess you could say, a little bit more of the grueling schedule. They're also members of the American Conference. So this is Navy's third straight losing season. Coupled with that, they've lost for the last six to Army and Navy hasn't won the Commander in Chief trophy since 2019. So all these things are kind of making it a little muddy for head coach Ken Niamatololo. So I believe he is the the winningest coach in Navy history. Um, He almost left a couple seasons ago to take the BYU job. So there was kind of, you know, some 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 thoughts, some speculation there. Navy AD Chet Gladchuk, he's not being very, he's being mum about Coach Niamatololo's future. Um, basically, they asked him, you know, is next season a make or break season? And he's kind of going, uh, you know, we'll see. I don't know. So um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this game ends, how this game goes. And then, you know, if Navy loses, they'll be what, four and eight. So then the questions are, okay. Is there going to be a parting of the ways? Is there going to be some changes to try to make Navy better? So I think they made a bunch of changes at the end of last season. Um, you know, and then they had some close losses. I think they lost to Delaware. They lost to Notre Dame. So they, you know, just hasn't, and, and they just haven't been competing in the American. I mean, what was it Tulane, UCF, uh, were your teams to beat in the American this year? Tulane won the, the American this year. So lots happening with Navy football. So now the question is, you know, do does their all-time winningest coach, does he is he back next season? And then again, the questions are, you know, how does it get better? Because is it a make or break season for him next year? No one really knows, but him, the AD, and whomever else is in privy to those conversations. So, you know, considering the, the, you know, the kind of coach he is, what he's been doing, what he has done for the academy. You hope that he's going to get maybe a little, just a, just a, just a touch of grace here because, he, you know, uh, A.D. Gladchuk also said, look, you know, he's being held to the same standard anyone else is being held to. So winning is winning, losing is losing. You ain't winning. You know, what, what, what Deion say, if you ain't elevated, you're terminated. I mean, you know, let, let's keep it real here. So... We'll see. Um, like I said, Army, I think Army needs this game badly to get bowl eligible. So let's say Army wins this game. They're 6-6. Six and six, They're bowl eligible. And then, of course, um, they have a chance to have a 7-6 season. Um, 
Let's see. Um, wow, well, I didn't pick this game. Um, oh, the uniforms. The uniforms are always the thing. Um, a couple weeks ago, both squads uh, debuted their uniforms. Navy is doing an astronaut theme. So, so dope. Really, really dope. Because uh, I like how they do the whole, either they'll have the, the jets and the, um, the aircraft carriers inside the helmets, and then they'll have, uh, in some cases, they'll have a, a, a unit patch or battalion patch representing the Marine Corps, what have you. Um, Army is doing a, a homage, a tribute to the 1st Armored Division, Old Ironsides. So you can see, uh, I'll try to post, I think I posted on my Instagram. I can kind of repost it on my Instagram, but man, those uniforms are super dope. And I'll put up a, a poll, tell me which uh, uniform you think is, is cool. But I was thinking, man, the astronauts theme is, I'm thinking astronauts is, well, you know, if you think about it, um, Navy, uh, Naval officers and Marine officers have been in the astronaut corps. So I did some research today as what uh, you've got more. I think it's, I was thinking it was Navy, Air Force, Army, Na- Navy, Air Force, Army, Marines. But I think it's Air Force, Navy, Army, Marines in that order who have become officers who become um, uh, astronauts. Uh, so again, uh, at, Awesome theme, awesome theme for their uniforms this year. Different, but awesome because sometimes, like Army does, Navy sometimes will uh, focus on one part of their mission. So I think one year they did, you know, they did aviation with the helmets. I think another year they may have dedicated. I think Navy they did special warfare one year, but yeah, um, great uniforms this year. And uh, the Army, um, the Army uniform, they did a whole video talking about old Ironsides and the history and. You know what the all the things on the uniform, so it's gonna be great. But the game's gonna be great. I'm gonna pick Army in this one. Um, I mean, again, we always say it when it comes to a rivalry game, you can throw the records out of the window. But I mean, Navy they re- they're really struggling, and and it's tough to watch because you know you you remember even years where they weren't great, they were still just good enough to beat some really good teams. And even be relevant in the American conference. It's like now they're just being relegated to just, okay, Navy plays football, big whoop-de-doo. But I'm going to give the edge to Army. It'll be close. Um, I think this this game will come down to a field goal. Um, I think we'll get a classic. Um, I saw it's 42 degrees at kickoff, so no snow this year. Cause I remember think the last time it snowed, they played. They played a game for the ages. And, of course, as we know, this game is for the right to sing last. So again, if you sing last, that means you won. You go to your your end of the stadium with your fellow um, midshipmen or your fellow cadets, and you sing the alma mater of of the of your school. But at the same time, too, you know, again, at the end of the day, they're all on the same team. They're all brothers in one fight. Uh, they call it America's game, and college game day is not going, which I was shocked to hear. But again, I guess. Um, with the records, uh, plus they, you know, Coach Corso, you know, his health is not very good. And uh, the Bear, Chris the Bear Felica, is going to Fox, which I'm going, what is happening at ESPN? So it's just a hot cluster, you know what, of craziness. No aren't no college game day at the Army-Navy game, but it should be fun nonetheless. And uh, I'm going to miss the uh, the superintendents kind of giving each other a little, little lip. Uh, over the game but but again it should be a great game and i'm looking forward to watching it three o'clock cbs um last before we go 
I want to give a shout out to William and Mary football. So they get to play Montana state tonight in the FCS quarterfinals. So that game I think is on ESPN somewhere around 10, 15. So as opposed to 42 degrees in Philadelphia at three o'clock for the kickoff of army Navy, it's going to be a balmy 19 degrees in Bozeman when this game kicks off. And just thinking about that makes every bone in my body hurt. And and trust me, I'm a little older. I'm starting to feel a little arthritis in my fingers here. But um, but shout out to women Mary football, especially head coach Mike London. So Coach London, uh, he's uh, won a national championship at Richmond. Left, went to coach UVA for a few seasons. Uh, was let go. Went uh, coach Howard for a few years and then took the William and Mary job. He's got William and Mary really in a great position uh, to, to 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 do some great things here, win a championship. But they got to go through Bozeman, and uh, we know Montana State. That's not going to be a easy task. But good luck to the tribe tonight, and I hope for the best. And of course, shout out to Coach and and, and all the things he's done now and in the past. Uh, just just a phenomenal person. His story is. Uh, inspiration in a lot of ways and you know he's always been about doing the best for young men and just trying to help them develop and uh, achieve their dreams so shout out to coach london and the women mary child football team all right so that's it for me ladies and gentlemen i appreciate your time appreciate you listening um hope you have a great weekend lots to do lots to watch uh we'll regroup um we'll regroup on monday i think that's going to be the plan And when we regroup, we'll kind of get it all together and we'll make sense of whatever happened or whatever doesn't happen. And until I talk to you again, make sure that you like the show, rate, share the show, um, email me. uh, My email's in the show notes. But until then, make sure that you continue to take care of yourself, stay healthy, do the right thing, not just for yourself, but to be in consideration of others because again you know it's not so much doing it for you but we want to keep each other healthy it's about us looking out for each other as human beings and as a community and also remember to drink your water and mind the business that pays you peace thank you for listening to the latest episode of the sports wagon podcast if you enjoyed the episode please subscribe rate review and tell a friend about the show You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sportswagonpod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.